I've been uh I've been running around like a like a madman. I'm trying to get on as many uh 2022 congressional candidates as possible. Trying to give a platform to everyone who is not only anti-mandate but who is also anti uh, endless wars because there are so many people pounding the drums that we need to go occupy Ukraine and there's not much I can do. I don't have a Joe Rogan platform, but I'm trying to give a voice to any of any of the military veterans who know they can see an occupation on the horizon and they're going, we got to stop this before it starts. So that's what I've been doing, kind of working myself stupid and um, yeah, have some potential big guests in the works that I, I cannot tell you about, but might be happening in the next month. Um, but aside from that, yeah. And uh, well, let's let, let's talk about Ukraine now that you're uh, now that you broached the subject. Uh, I sent you a couple. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, files this morning. Yeah. What did you think of those? Well, let me. I'm actually. I've been running. I just finished my second podcast of the day, so I haven't even. I've seen your emails. I haven't clicked on. I haven't even opened them up. So, Russia provides new evidence of alleged bioweapons. Yeah. And so let me go to your point about let's not have another war uh, in uh, in Ukraine. Uh, the couple of pictures I put f- yeah. down f- for you were the old... Stalingrad. Yeah, the old big tank battles that turned World War II. Remember, 25, 30 million people die in this thing in Russia. Yeah. So, so when they hear uh, we lost 500 in the... They used to you lose that before breakfast on any given day in World War II. So, uh, you know... The, ground literally soaked with blood okay so um my my point here um to all this is that this is their their sacred ground um catherine the great was the one who called um uh, called odessa Novorossiya, who was going to be the jewel on the black sea uh sochi down there is uh, just around the bend from uh from Ukraine is the favorite spot for both Yeltsin and Putin. Uh, so they consider very much a part of Russia is what I'm saying. This isn't like something that's been traditionally NATO, if you will. And I'll let you take it from there. Do you think they have a Sochi Min trail? <laughs> uh, somebody asked, Aaron wanted to know if he wanted to jump in and do graphics. Yes, Aaron. I'll jump in and do, if you want to jump in and do graphics, that would be great. Uh, let me copy this to the clipboard and email it to you. Uh, just one second, Tommy. I'm going to get some graphics help here. You're quite all right. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was I was Tommy or Putin, and then I was Tommy Moisky, and today I'm Tom Bass of the Donbass region. <laughs> I was trying, I was thinking this morning, I was like, I got to come up with another name to slip in. Yeah, that's pretty good. Tom Bass. Yeah, thank, I, I thank love you. that. Thank you. The um, yeah, I'm just going to go to some of my panels here for graphics as as we talk. So I'm learning how to juggle here a little bit. But my point is, is if you look at those old tank battles, mm-hmm. the tank battle of Kursk, which is just a little bit to the north in Belarus, we're talking, you know, 500 people, like an hour die, mm-hmm. um, hundreds and hundreds of tanks destroyed um, in in a day. Uh, there is this this land going all the way through the tank battles that were in Kiev, the tank battles, or just the battles uh, in Odessa 
and so forth. This was all ground that was fought over. If you've seen the movie Enemy at the Gates, you've seen what a stalemate Stalingrad was. You know, Khrushchev was down there as an intelligence officer stopping the Nazis at the Volga River there. This is not, this is like our Alamo, okay? The way Americans feel about the Alamo, even though it wasn't really a part of America. And then we sent down a couple of campers and they got slaughtered. And then we went in and took it all. This is, this is their Alamo. That's, that's the only way I can say this. This isn't even Cuba, which is kind of overseas, over waters. This is land connected here. Um, and I just don't think, I think they are serious. I think Lavrov is serious when he says, this is the last straw yeah. with NATO. And, and, and Putin saying the same thing. What's your take? I don't know. I really don't know. I thought there was going to be like a definitive uh, presentation of, unless I just haven't been paying attention. I thought there, by now they maybe would have done like a definitive presentation of uh, of bio labs. But to me, there there just there does just seem to be total cognitive dissonance about the idea that you can have one nation, America. You can have our enemy, Soviet Union, and you can have the enemy nation place weapons on a third party, Cuba, very close to us. That's bad. But when us, the United States, put on biolab weapons in Ukraine right next to Russia, they're not allowed to defend their own area. And it's just total cognitive dissonance. And it's it's the same people that just ate up. You got to get a shot. You got to get two shots. You got to get a booster. You got to get a second booster. I mean, a lot of these people didn't know what Ukraine was three weeks ago i thought it was a construction company and now they're all sitting here saying like put me in coach send me over there it's time for a no-fly zone it's time for nuclear war i mean more than ever i'm i'm just convinced that the vast majority of the country are are brain dead and uh whoever can play the right tune whoever can act as the the uh the orchestrator the maestro uh they're gonna i don't know walk us all off a cliff i have a uh, less and less faith not to be a complete depressing. Well, and you're the age where you could go. I mean, you're a little too old, but... Uh, I, no, I got bad vision. You can't send me. Oh, good. Yeah, good. yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's where you can... Uh, when you go into the get your yeah. physical, you put your hands on your face. Mom! Yeah. Mom! No, I'll, <laughs> no, yeah. I'll just identify as a woman and say, I got to stay home in the kitchens. Put me in the shell factories. I'll be Rosie the Riveter. I'll be Tommy the Tank Manufacturer. There you go. In uh, I think um, in Parma, Ohio. Yeah, wherever. Ukraine, yeah, yeah. At, at a big tank manufacturing. Well, so the I guess you know. Let's say there was six provinces or seven provinces. How many provinces in Canada actually touch the United States? All nine. Let's see. I, I can't name them all. It's one of those things. But let's say each one of those provinces. Uh, and I'm comparing these to the countries that um, are on the western edge of Russia, all said, promised that they wouldn't join NATO, okay? And then all of them joined, okay? So we had the Baltics, which is, you know, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, not too big, you know? It's like Delaware and, and Connecticut and Rhode Island. It eh, doesn't really bother me that much, but I... I am kind of bothered by missile systems and stuff. That's all you need is a platform. Uh, but then you come down the way, and Poland obviously is a big player on the frontier. But then you add in Bulgaria, then you add in Slovakia, 
And then Romania starts talking about it. And then Moldova starts making noises. Um, and then uh, the last big one, which is again, Russia's only path, land path to their black water, uh, black sea, uh, warm water seaport, which is in Sevastopol and Crimea. And this is closing off the last, you know, part of the Western frontier. And it also puts a hostile on the three choke points uh, for their warm water port and trade and oil to get out of the uh, Sea of Azov into the Black Sea, into the Mediterranean. So, I mean, it's hard to compare geography because the United States is just so blessed with so many states touching oceans with uh, 17 states, I think, something like that, and so many ports. But if we only had one port, you know, if Washington, D.C. was the one port we yeah. had, uh, you know, you live down there uh, on the Potomac or near the near the, uh, the mouth of the Potomac. If that was somehow under the control of another country, Russia, you know, if that looked like it at all that it could be closed off, I think the I think we would react in very similar to how Putin's reacting. Yeah. I don't know. There's something doesn't add up with because, you know, as much as I uh, don't agree with the forces in Washington, I also don't think they're stupid. I don't like them, but uh, I'm not naive enough to say that they're stupid. Uh, I don't think you get into those upper echelons of power by being stupid. So something something's not adding up at why we're egging them on to what seems to be a crash course ending in thermonuclear Armageddon. The escalation would go that way, and on one hand, you say have people saying they want they want nuclear war because it's depopulation. If you want nuclear, well, depopulation implies that you want to stay on this planet, right? There are two, kind of two trains of thought of of where the elite going to go. Are they going to go off planet, or are they going to stay on this place? If they're staying on this place, they would do depopulation, but you wouldn't use thermonuclear warheads because you would salt the earth with cobalt and strontium and radioactive calcium for the next 100,000 years. So there's no logical conclusion to the nuclear war. I don't think it's stupidity. I also don't think it's incompetence. There's something that we don't know, and it's either that there was a backroom deal with Russia through back channels. This was all talked out before. And said, hey, yeah, you, you can go this far and we won't step in, which is why we're doing a bunch of sort of formal uh, formal moves. But, you know, blocking the, the MiGs from Poland and we're only sending so much money and we won't send any of our own people. We won't do a no-fly zone. Um, something about it seems like it, it was agreed beforehand that they could do this. And sure, we'd attack them, but it doesn't seem... I don't know. All the saber rattling almost seems like it's empty because both sides know that you can't do it. You you can't. There is. It's the end of the game. There's nothing. It's not cheating. It's just you're hitting reset on the Nintendo. The game's over. There is no nuclear war where you win. It's just over. The game is over. So it's either that this was scripted beforehand and that there was some backroom deal. Hey, we'll do this. And it's, it's always going to come down to a pipeline to have something to do with a pipeline. But it's either that. Or um, or we have a weapon system that you and I don't know about. We have something that f- some modern take on SDI has, we know with like 99.99% accuracy and consistency that we can neuter their nuclear forces. I don't know what that would be. I don't know how it would exist. 
but I'm also humble enough to know that the SR-71 Blackbird made its first flight in 1964, and that thing still seems like an alien craft. Maybe they got something cooked up out at the Nevada test site. Maybe they got something that some space-based weapon, some high echelon hypersonic drone fleet, I don't know what. I would imagine probably some sort of like orbital directed energy net. We either have something that can neuter their nuclear forces or or there there was a backroom talk and uh this is all bluster and Putin and us both know it's only going so far. Those are just my two armchair armchair takes on this. Well, my um so I was actually in these countries when they were kind of collapsing in mostly Czechoslovakia and some in Hungary, uh, which were the first two to go. And I was looking at business deals there and I was with two uh, lawyers who had been shot down there and had a lot of ties in the country and everything. So they were trying to get me set up in business uh, at the time. So I was there and I remember one of the key things was, um, you, know, you know, the fear always of Russian tank invasion. Um, that they had Russia had built so many tanks, and everybody had remembered how the Russians had responded and you know had beaten the Germans at the end of World War II with these massive T thirty four tank tank you know, columns. Assaults. Yeah, yeah. And so I was actually in uh, after college graduation in, uh, on the Czech border when it was uh, you know it was nineteen eighty two, and watching the you know Russian tank exercises it is scary you know? oh yeah sure <laughs> they're doing wheelies and it's like like the cavalry you know the dust cloud is you know amazing yeah, so, and, and they had this thing that could a uh, snail's back kind of bridge where it could run this tank up and it had this yeah and then you know they went over this island and you could just see these things flooding over and i can tell you the people living in germany and the, those countries were very scared of a NATO. I mean, we're scared of a Russian tank invasion. They yeah. Were, I mean, because the Russians were doing these exercises with all these different Warsaw Pact countries. But that, you know, since the fall of the Soviet Union, that's not the situation anymore. Czechoslovakia is a, is a Western country now. Poland, pretty much a Western country. Uh, Hungary, the same way. Uh, even the really dog, uh, the, this, the, Belarus, which they used to call the 14th uh, Russian state, and, and um, the other one was Romania, I think, have fallen away. Uh, so there's really not that threat anymore in Germany that there was. Uh, so, but I, I do think that in 1979, uh, they were looking at this neutron bomb to get away from the thing you're talking about, which is it, it blows up and kills all the people temporarily through radiation poisoning, through ne neutrons, uh, but leaves the building standing. Mm -hmm. And and when they finally found that the, the half-life, the minimum half-life that they could get after one of these things went off was something like 200 years. Yeah. Know, they, could not, uh, they, they gave up on it. And, and that's when I think they went to bioweapons. Uh, George H.W. Bush spoke at my college graduation at Miami University in 1982. Really? Yep, and all he talked about was removing a whole class of weapons. I remember he said this 12 times. Remove a whole class of weapons from the face of the earth from Europe, right? Because inter intermediate nuclear range missiles 
were the thing that, that Europeans didn't want. They would say, hey, we want NATO. We want the Americans and the bases. I lived in a town where there was a base um, near Bomberg, but we'd go down to the, you know, watch the tank exercises down at the border. But, but they, they wanted that. They wanted the protection so that they wouldn't be overrun like, you know, the other Warsaw Pact states, but they didn't want to do, be the battleground for a limited nuclear exchange. And I think that's where all these planners started with NATO saying, we got to go to something that slows the Russians down. We got to be able to go into, if we think they're doing a buildup, we have to be able to go into their areas where they have their livestock and they have their water supply. We got to be able to spread disease and slow them down before they can launch an offensive. Uh, so we have to, so this idea of preemptive use of bioweapons or bioagents was a big part of the NATO thinking. Uh, and guys like Bob Kagan, who is the husband of Victoria Newland, were the architects of this. Fred Kagan at the Institute of Study of War. This is like you, you mentioned, you hit the a World of Warcraft or Call of Duty and you press reset. Mm -hmm. That's all he did. Yeah. He, he, he was in a, a tabletop world. So, um, so I think this, uh, in the former, uh, you know, in the former Republic States, and I'll, I'll flip it over to you in a second, but in the former States, they hired these Russians, these biopreparat people. They said, go ahead and give us your stuff. We'll store it there. That's why it still hasn't been destroyed after 30 years, all this tularemia, and mm -hmm. uh, botulism, et cetera. And we'll attenuate it. We'll develop vaccines for our guys, but then we'll also use it to slow the Russians down, right? And that's why you come up with these plans like Ukraine Program 4, which is the migratory birds, Ukraine Program 8, which is the Crimea-Congo hemorrhagic fever. Uh, uh, there's a program called 781, R781, which uses infected bats and fleas on infected bats. They decided to keep all these things around to use against the Soviet Union to slow them down, I think. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's either bioweapons are the 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 new front, right? Kind of like DARPA creating the weapon systems of tomorrow. Um and speaking of the tweet you're showing right now, American sanctioned, I wish they would sanction me. I think that would be great press for the podcast if my name was up there between like Blinken and Millie. We just had Tommy Kerrigan. I think that would be great, and I'm pushing for that. I'm actively campaigning for that. But that's funny. Go ahead, tweet it out. Sanction Tommy. I just sanction me too. I don't think they will because I've kind of been like not on board with like a massive NATO response. So maybe Ukraine will sanction me, not Russia. Yeah, but, yeah that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Regardless, though, um, you know, part of me does try to look at like, could there be some like really big picture? stuff going on and could this actually kind of be like a continuation of trump getting nato to to pony up for more money could it be could this be a controlled they do a backroom deal they tell russia you can go take whatever and we're going to do a bunch of formal main main channels official channel condemnations but we're not actually going to we're going to remove you from the whatever we're going to censor you but we're not actually going to send in any tanks or anything um and Russia goes, okay, sure, and we're doing it because that will scare the shit out of NATO for them to start ponying up more and sort of tighten up their own defenses. I'm just trying to look at, like, what would be the benefit of us doing this? And it seems like, on one hand, you do a, a backroom deal with Russia, so they'll do it, 
And then you then use that fear to, to get the other countries to, to pony up a little more. And maybe you're doing that so because you're looking out a decade or two at the rise of China and you want to preemptively start to bulk up NATO now. I don't know. I'm just, again, as much as people like to, to attack the politicians they don't like, they're an idiot, they're stupid, they're not. You don't have to like them. That doesn't mean they're good people. They might be evil. These people are not incompetent. They're just, they're just not. You do not get to that spot if, if you're incompetent. You, by definition, you will not rise to that. Someone else will. The fact that they're there says they're not incompetent. So I just look at what's going on and I'm like, if it seems too wacky and stupid, we're heading towards nuclear war, there's something else going on. There's something else going on. I don't know what it is. Uh, we either have a weapon system that can take them down or this entire thing has been coordinated so that we can scare the rest of Europe into bolstering up NATO and Russia can, I don't know, drum up support at home for whatever. Something, a, a deal was made. I don't know what. Or or we really are just marching into Armageddon, in which case, I don't know, smoke them if you got them. I guess, I don't know. Well, I think that, you know, there is a lot to be gained here, you know, from Putin at home, right? Because they're going to back, you're going to back the leader who is, you know, taking back the Ukraine and taking back, uh, not the Ukraine, but I think there's a part of Russia, the Donbass for sure. And maybe even some could argue parts of the, the east of the Dnieper River that they paid for in blood in World War II, that they, they want that land. Sure. Uh, they want that land channel to uh, Odessa, right? They don't want they that they're done with saying, "Hey, I want to I'm going to get cut off." But I think you're right though. Um, most people were starting to think that NATO was a Cold War relic. Yeah. And after the fall of the Soviet Union, it's really a Cold War relic, right? Um and when you start talking about uh, you know, laptops and and cell phones and so forth where you make a lot more money if you have commerce, right? And if you have checkpoints, right? Checkpoints slow everything down. Um, maybe that's where they said, hey, we need a good war, you know? And plus we could test out a lot of these tabletop exercises. You can test out a lot of, a great thing about war is you can spray to your heart's content as far as bioweapons. Yeah. And everybody has to get vaccinated too. So it's, it's a virus vaccine dream. I'm starting to think... It's something I never really thought of until I said it a couple minutes ago. I'm starting to think that this is, has nothing to do with Russia. And this is about them looking. They've probably got some supercomputer or whatever that's been running tabletop exercises 100,000 times a second for the last decade. And maybe they're now with like 90% certainty. They're like, there will be a an America, America Euro war with china and what in the, the year 2029 i don't know 2033 whatever maybe they've just they've got reason to believe it's coming and we're just preemptively bolstering nato forces and it's this is all just the entire thing that's going on right now is just theater it's we we we're, we poked the bear so that the bear would bite at us and that would cause all of nato to go all right let's 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 bolster up and the reality is it has nothing to do with Russia. It's because we know that, you know, war with China is coming. So instead of having war break out and then saying, 
time to bolster up. Maybe they want a decade of bolstering before we go to, I don't know. I'm just, again, I'm trying to, maybe it's, maybe it's a, a, ba- a stupid way to come from this, but I'm trying to look at this with the humility that if it looks like whatever we're doing is stupid, then it's probably not accurate. Love them or hate them. The, the military industrial intelligence complex, the swamp, the deep state, whatever you want to call it, they're not stupid and no one wins with nuclear war. So there has to be something else going on here. I don't know what, but I'm just trying to think of what could it be. And I think it's to bolster NATO. Why bolster NATO now, as opposed to last year or five years ago? Probably have, who knows, maybe the first shot of World War III was COVID. And right now it's still cold. And we're going, let's start slowly massing up all of NATO, either for a preemptive strike in china or to bolster it to such an absurd extent um that there will be no war i don't know i just there's probably some like super forecasting computers that are looking at everything and they're saying now now more than ever like war with china's coming and so what could you do to bolster uh your own defenses i think you do something what you're doing right now you ukraine would be the sacrificial cow Okay, well, let's take it. Uh, I'm going to take it into you. You've been speculating. I'll uh, speculate wildly. This is all the aliens. This is they're coming back to get the craft from 1947. This is all about Bob Lazar. I'll dial it up to 11 if you want to. <laughs> no, hey, I know. No, I, I, no, no, no. I didn't want to go that. I direction. know. I know. No, but I, I will say this: there is some personal knowledge and personal reporting that I did. Uh, you know, again, by going and finding people, going and finding whistleblowers and so forth in Washington that did say some things that um, kind of gave me a a new perspective on a lot of this stuff. Uh, I was going to do a Cossack of Christopher Steele. You you know, Christopher Steele with the the dossier, that probably was coming out at the time you were getting out of college, right? Uh, Recently, Christopher Steele with MI6 and all that, Trump dossier. I graduated in 2013. Okay, so you've been out a long time. Yeah, what are you talking about, George? <laughs> I apologize. Get, get, your, get your head out of the clouds, George. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for not Bring- saying the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay so, you see, but, okay, so Christopher Steele had this relationship with Porton Down. And this goes back 10 years with me, okay, going down to Salisbury. And I went to this town called Andover, met this guy. And... Um, Basically, he said the NATO doesn't want to do bioweapons. They don't want to be seen as doing bioweapons. They're all signatories to this uh, convention. That's the BWC convention. And so they can't do it. They have to have a third party do it. And the big goal uh, with George W. Bush and also Richard Dearlove at that time of MI6 was, hey, as soon as we get our hands on these old biopreparat scientists, we basically inherit a bioweapons program. We weren't really doing that as much as the Soviets were. The Soviets were putting all their money on bioweapons because they couldn't match us nuke for nuke. It's the, yeah, it's the best dollar invested. Yeah. It's the best asymmetric thing, which is you attack us and we all die right away, but we fire off all our missiles and you would, you all die a slow painful death over a year. Yeah. You know, that that kind of mutual shared destruction. Yeah, mutual assured destruction, but this was with this, the bioweapons. Yeah. And, this, and you interviewed Ken Alabek, what, 28 times now? How many times? <laughs> Seven. 
seven. And he's the guy who ran the program. Yeah. Okay. With, with thousands, 5,000, 6,000 scientists. So anyway, the guy who was at the Moscow desk for MI6 was Christopher Steele. And he saw all these guys at the fall of the Soviet Union. He was in uh, there when Yeltsin got on the tank and made the speech. Uh, they even had a tank pointing at the, I wasn't in Moscow, but they, we, I just interviewed a guy who was there uh, where all these guys stayed that were selling Russia by the pound. And they actually had the tank pointing right at their, their house, you know, Christopher Steele's house. And um, the, the wife, uh, Laura, I can't remember her name, uh, Steele's wife, Kathy, Laura, Laura, Lauren Graham. Anyway, the bottom line is he was there to get all the scientists. He was there to say, make a deal. Let's make a deal. Let's meet with these Russian scientists. And this is, we had a guest on with this Gary Winkleman who was actually there and it was actually all happening in his lobby of his, of his inner tourist uh, hotel, right? <laughs> but they were, they had all these colonels and generals and so forth running these different programs in this hotel making these deals. And the number one guy making the deal was a guy named Mark Rich, uh, which is the associate of Bob Maxwell. And the place they were going was Ukraine, both for the nuclear and for the fact it's more Western than Kazakhstan, which is more toward Asia, Georgia also, but not as much as the destination Ukraine was the, the juice. If you were an old biopreparat guy working you know, out in the middle of some, you know, camel uh, plant, uh, prairie um, in Kazakhstan or freezing your butt off in the, you know, uh, in the winter, you're moved to the Black Sea, you could go to Sochi and, and then there's, you're close enough for skiing. And all of a sudden, you, this was a step up if you were a bioweapons engineer to go to Ukraine. And Christopher Steele went with his bride, this, can't remember her name, Kathy Lauren Steele, and he did the Cossack dance at the wedding in Kiev. He had his wedding with this gal in Kiev. Uh, the, all the oligarchs, all the Ukrainian oligarchs were there, all the bioweapons oligarchs, Kolomoisky and Mogilevich and every Mark Rich had this huge wedding. Uh, and he did the Cossack dance, L literally did the Cossack dance for these bioweapons. And people don't understand the Cossack dance was the launch of the bioweapons program. It was the movement of these bioweapons from Kazakhstan and Georgia and other places in, in Russia to these labs. This is where it all funneled down to. And I, I, you know, they've been trying to figure out what do we do this stuff now? How can we make some money on this stuff and, but not cause world war three or bio world war three. Um, and I, and I, have presented it and people said that never came true. There never was bioweapons in Ukraine. The Cossack dance wasn't a Cossack dance for bioweapons. Well, look at where, where we are now. It seems like it's a Cossack dance for bioweapons. I don't know. You ever heard uh, the Christopher Steele story with the Cossack dancing? No. Uh, for bioweapons? Never? Okay. Sorry. No, 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 not at all. There's, there's Kolomoisky. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, Kolomoisky. Um, I sent you a picture of her, though. Yeah, I know. He's, well, Kolomoisky? I sent you a picture of uh, of Christopher Steele. And yeah. I, I think. Well, like I, I said, like I said, I didn't even check those emails till you and I started talking. Um, okay. um, Maybe I can put some up here, but no, you're but, fine. Uh, side question: um, What was the one point five trillion dollar bill? 
that was passed, the omnibus bill. You just had it in the tweet. You just scrolled past the one right above this one. I, I honestly haven't. It just kind of nothing to do with the conversation we're having right now. What is the $1.5 trillion it, omnibus it was, bill? It was sort of an omnibus bill. This was her here. Um, she died of fast liver cancer or fast cirrhosis. And there's there's the picture of her. Got it. I don't know if you see that. Or yeah, not. I can that's see it. it. That's her. And then that's, that's him. And um, anyway, uh, $13 billion of that. Maybe I'll go to a different shot here. $13 billion of uh, let me go to this shot right here and do a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I can, no, yeah, I can see her. You can see her? Okay. Yeah. But um, it was $13.6 for Ukraine. Um, yeah, so but, but what was the $1.5 bill? The is one, it, it was just, that was, that was just a big bill? Yeah, it was like an omnibus bill, I yeah. thought. And again, they always do this. They They have some side issue. Yeah. Which... You know, it's it's such a small part of the bill. Yeah, and right? you can't pick it apart. It's it's like how they'll put in like the entire bill for the DOD, and then it'll also be like, and here's three hundred million for gender studies to Pakistan. And if you oppose it, it's like, oh, are you against the U.S. military? And it's like, well, no, but it's, you know, <laughs> you know, no. It's log rolling. Yeah, it's log rolling. But it's 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 beyond log rolling now, which is that's the little tail on the donkey they used to do to get a bill through. But this is the other way around. This is the tail wagging the dog. It's all about Ukraine, right? Wag the dog here with Ukraine. And then we get another 1.5 billion for a whole bunch of stuff nobody ever even talked about. It's all about whether we should give Ukraine another 15 billion. It's going right back to these bioweapons labs or biodefense labs. I just wish somebody would have said, be honest with the American people and say, look at this people. MI6 and George Bush, he did the speech, thousand points of light. He was talking about a thousand scientists. Right, and a thousand intelligence officers coming over to our side, right? And now we're going to be able to have this bioweapons program. We didn't pay a dime for it, right? And the Cossack dance. Uh, I, I was I met with um, the guy who released the um, Trump dossier, um, Michael Isikoff from Yahoo News, at one of the trials, and I was going to ask him because he was at the second marriage. Remember, she dies of fast cancer. Tommy, I'm telling you, I looked at her symptoms uh, down by, I went through the little town she uh, died in. I'm telling you, Congo, Crimea, hemorrhagic fever. Really? Fast hepatic liver disease. But, I, you know, and of course, later on, the people that scribble, the guy who was giving all the names of all the bio agents, scientists from BioPreparat, right? to Christopher Steele, he ends up getting poisoned in Salisbury, not too far from Andover. So um, anyway, I, I just wish people would say, here's what happened. We needed to bring all these scientists over. We brought down Christopher Steele to, to run the operation, to bring all these guys into Ukraine. He did the Cossack dance. We needed a couple of uh, oligarchs who were going to make some money in the virus vaccine game. We're going to attenuate these these. Uh, bioweapons. We're going to do controlled releases. We're not going to tell you where, so you don't, you know, like, so you act natural. And then we're going to make trillions on the vaccines. And we're going to, you know, like, try to scare the crap out of you. And it, it, we just need to do that to have a series of gradual earthquakes rather than a gigantic earthquake of a bio attack. To me, that's what it seems like they're doing. 
you know, I think that's the logic behind this, that, hey, as long as we're doing this, we should we should be trillionaires, you know, we should be trillionaires. We'll have Kolomoisky run this operation because it seems like what they're doing now is they're putting a whole bunch of guys into a siege, uh, like a like a uh, Stalingrad-like siege where, where it's a bioweapons dream where you can just spray to your heart's content. And, that, and everybody has to be vaccinated is the other thing. It just seems like the guy, the only guy who's making the money here, his name isn't being said, is this Colin Moisky guy. And you were Tommy Moisky, and you were pretty close to the same name. I was Tommy Moisky. I was, uh, I served with Colin Moisky back in, uh, back in the KGB. Um, can you go back to, so I think last week we concluded that there was like, what, like 14 or 16 biolabs, but I saw you a tweet the other day that says there's like 30 biolabs. Could you go into that? Yeah, you, you you know, they don't call me up and tell me when they add new ones, unfortunately, but the Russians said there was 30. Uh, the Minister of Defense, uh, the one general named Kona came out and said that. He had another guy named Kirilov do two more briefings. Kona did another briefing about the biolabs. They sent... Uh, uh, never, never, never Nevsky uh, to, uh, as their Russian diplomat to the United Nations. He also talked about the bioweapons and there being 30. So they're pretty sold on the idea that there's 30. And and uh, you saw me earlier showing pictures of of Obama being handed mm-hmm. a vial, uh, you know, in 2005 in Kiev. Well, what had happened is the Kiev one kind of blew up. Well, there's six labs there now. Uh, and then, and the other one was Lviv in in the west, and they have three or four labs now, where they only had one. Plus, they added two. It seemed like in uh, Odessa, and it seemed like they doubled up in a lot of places. And it seems like it's like like there's more labs in Ukraine. There's like ten times more bio labs in Ukraine than there is in Texas, which is on our southern border. For crying out loud. Just doesn't it doesn't seem proportional uh, if it's not offensive. So when is Russia going to show undeniable evidence that this is what this is? I mean, if they've got the evidence and you've said it before, they have to show it. They have to present it. Otherwise, they are rightfully so just going to be seen as a belligerent nation. They got to come up with the goods. You're muted. Um, well, I've showed a couple of papers as we've scrolled through here where it's Black and Beach was the contractor uh-huh. and, you know, uh, UP8 is Congo Crimea hemorrhagic fever. UP4 is the migratory birds with fleas and, fleas and ticks with H1N1, H5N1. Um, R781 is uh, this taking the bats that are infected with fleas and then vectoring them somehow. Um, I'm talking like driving bats in a truck and then releasing them all at night and then driving the truck back or or driving the truck between Ukraine and Georgia. You know, Kolomoisky's live bats, like a pizza truck, and then leaving these things go. And then they find these rookeries and then they infect the livestock. Um, so so they, they produce the papers for these. Um, I mean, th- this is the program. Now, that, so to me, it would be, there's two strategies here with NATO. They could say, well, yes, they're for biodefense, 
And let's go down the line here. UPA is actually because we had that because of this. And UP4 is we had that because of this. If it was a point by point explanation of what those programs really are and why they aren't bioweapons programs, that would be great. Because then we would go, oh, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. They don't want something to kill the cattle or they don't want something, so they're using the bats to be the reservoir. I get it, okay? They don't want pigs and African swine flu to break out, so they're using migratory birds for whatever reason. There's some explanation is what I'm saying. But saying that the labs don't exist and you're a Putin's, uh, you know, chump or puppet, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking right at the papers, you know? I mean, the papers are right there, you know? It's just... Was this released the Kraken? Do you think this was the Kraken that they were talking about releasing? You know, I don't. Like the release the Kraken. I don't know. It definitely, it definitely seems. Sorry, interrupted you. Go ahead. I was just saying that Kraken was that Norse god of bioweapons. So yeah. Like, well, yeah. Well, it's. It definitely seems like. Um, I mean, like thermonuclear warheads on the tips of missiles are like the. It's like the upper limit both literally and that they're going to orbit and figuratively. It's like, that's kind of the end of the world. So the next step is you have to kind of find how close can you get to that? Like there, there used to be like an onion article from the two thousands. And it was like, you know, before nuclear war, there will be a fantastic buildup of conventional weapons. <laughs> like we'll see all these wonderful conventional non-nuclear weapons and then they'll go nuclear. It kind of seems like bioweapons are the next level, right? I mean, what was the original? The original A-bomb obviously was to end the war, be a force of God. But then what it also was was force amplification. We don't need to match the Soviets tank column for tank column. We have Eisenhower talking about we just need tactical nukes on all these different like land straits and land bridges. And then we can defend the United States and the rest of the free world. And as everyone gets them, they, they kind of level out the world, there's almost like a new arms race, like subatomic, if that makes sense. Not like subatomic physics. I mean, like below atomic, and that's bio, right? You can still do bio. There's huge amounts of deniability, unlike an A bomb, where you can see where it's launched from or from what plane it's dropped. It seems like bioweapons are sort of like the next upper echelon. We're like, no one wants to go full Ebola, nobody wants to go full. Right. Nobody wants to wipe out the earth. It's the same thing with nuclear weapons. There's this sort of like, how tactically can we toe the line? Because they are, they have the best ROI, return on investment. You don't need F-35s and F-22s and, 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 you know, NSA satellites and quantum computing. If you can just, I don't know, take a, a pig and splice it with a giraffe or something and come up with some monstrous virus, it does seem to be the sort of new arms race even though it's not as dangerous as thermonuclear armageddon thermonuclear is like okay we can't use it because it's the end of the world like what's the what's the next nu nuke but not nuke that we can use what's the next what's the next thing that has that sort of show-stopping uh power of like a nuclear weapon without ending the world do you know what i mean like where sure. can we get like a hiroshima part two but not not be a global suicide yeah they they call it low intensity warfare yeah That's yeah the, the special operations low intensity warfare is called solic and it's at fort belvoir and it's at um fort bragg and so i look at this and say uh that's exactly what's going on here if i can make trillions 
as we do bio preparation, if, as we do bio preparation, um, I have limited outbreaks among livestock. But see, the Russians are saying, no, no, no. There was a huge outbreak that you, you guys caused in 2018 in Georgia. There's been all these outbreaks of African swine flu that we've never had before. There's all these outbreaks of, of uh, these hemorrhagic fevers that we haven't had before. Sorry, uh, it's, I'm, it's, I'm it's looking sort of the... Sorry, I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at the emails you sent me. I don't want you to think I'm playing on my phone. Oh no no no, that's fine. Well, again, I I, uh, I don't have a lot of video of Cossack dancing, um, but I think Cossack dancing may explain this whole thing uh, because if people just accept the fact that, um, Did... you know, they, they accept the fact that that. Christopher Seals put in charge of this for DynCorp. DynCorp was a, and DynPort was a joint venture between DynCorp and Port and Down. He lives right down there. Uh, that's where the gal died. Um, Portsmouth was in England, was where they did all the Operation Sea Spray. I was born in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Really? You're born right there by George Bush's favorite uh, in Ken, Maine there. Kenny, the, Kenny Bunkport. Kenny Bunkport. But the, the Navy base there was, it was split between Newport and What's the river there? The Nisqua? Well, uh, I don't remember. They're all named after Native American things. I don't know. You know, despite as fluorescent white as I am, I'm actually like, I'm like part Native American. I'm like 99% Irish pig. And then part of me is Native American. <laughs> um, uh, but what I was going to say is, um, you have it pulled up, uh, Peter Strzok. Is, so did he, did he tweet at you? Yes. He did. After after you and I did that episode, yeah, you triggered him. Uh, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I don't even I don't even care if it's going to result in my death. It just means that the podcast is succeeding. That's all. I'm excited about that. I've. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's funny because his, you know, as soon as he came at me and said I was a Q guy, and I'm not. I'm totally anti Q. I am Q. You are Q. A lot right? of people don't know that. Sorry, keep going. Okay. Well, I said. Yes, I am a Q follower. I follow your Q level. Q level clearance. Yeah, all your bioweapons programs. So in a sense, he's right. I am a Q follower of his bioweapons programs in Ukraine. Uh, but then I thought, well, it's also Sarah Struck. And I don't know if it's he's she's related. But there's only 100 Strucks in the United States. Sarah Struck does Q fever. Sarah Struck is an expert in Q fever. The hell is that? Uh, Q fever is like Congo, Crimea, hemorrhage fever, it's a, it's, but it's very hard to diagnose. And see, the beauty in creating panic, right, in a population or terror in a population, that this is the world, according to Strzok, right, is take something from Africa that's never been in this place before, and none of the doctors know how to. Yeah. To, yeah. And then you bury it under a mild virus like coronavirus, and for the people you want to take out, you Q fever them. And this is all, I'm not saying this is an admission that he used Q fever as, the, I've always felt like there's, like Paul Cottrell is, is a, another guy I did a lot of podcasts with. We talked a lot about, is there another spike? You know, is this the faint? Is coronavirus the faint? And then there's another killer spike, like, you know, the old Spanish flu spike or some other, you know, Ebola spike or some other HIV I th spike. I think and, COVID and, was it. Well, COVID could be. I think but, COVID uh, was a dry run. Yeah, but COVID could be. We talked a lot about in 2017. I, I was talking a lot about what I called 
Clockwork Orange, which is when you want to lock down a population, I realized that there was Operation Lockstep, but you create a, about 95% fear. Uh, but you have to have a little blood for people to be afraid. And then you mix them together, you get orange, right? But it's a clockwork action. It's a clockwork action where you just keep re coming out with new variants and you just drub people literally like they did the Jews, just gradually. Just keep pushing them back, pushing them back, pushing them back till they're finally just, they've lost all will to live. It's like ant in the glass. You knock the ant down. So many times. times it stops trying to get out you know on a side note i i do partially blame you for why i'm so tired right now it's because i was hanging out with some friends the other night and uh you sent me that message about peter struck kind of commenting on the episode we did and i celebrated i was like we we're having a couple beers and i was like oh this is great we're getting some traction and I just got totally shit-faced, and I'm having like a two-day hangover from it. So I, I do partially lay that blame on your shoulders. I just want you to know that. Um, <laughs> um, but well, I figured carrying it on St. Patty's Day. I was good. I was good until like 9 p.m. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do anything wild today. And then I woke up at 2 p.m. the next day, and my shirt was torn down the middle. I mean, from chest to belly button. Um, but, yeah. it That's probably, did you... Did you identify the, the girls that did it, or or was it just one? <laughs> I wish. No, I think it was me, and uh, which is which is even worse. I think it was just me. <laughs> um, uh, but you do look at what's going on right now, and it, it it does seem to be that we're kind of entering the age of of bio warfare, and it seems so silly, right? Because you think of like technological progression, and like in your mind thermonuclear armageddon would be the apex but i do think it's like we went too far and there's no winning so we have to come back we have to come back a little bit we got to come a little bit back from the edge and man forget you know what you know what was so insane about like uh you know was it yugoslavia or serbia yugoslavia not slavia slavia or serbia whenever we first start i guess 93 kind of also really showing off the precision weapons, the laser-guided, the JDAMs, right? We don't got a carpet bomb, whole corridors or whole city blocks anymore. Now we can fly it down a chimney, right? That was the level of precision. I mean, what would, what would be the next technological level of, of precision? You can only get... You can only have your JDAM get within so close to the target, whether it's plus or minus a foot or plus or minus an inch. Ultimately, it doesn't matter when you have something with a blast radius of a thousand feet. So, what's the next level of precision? And it's going after a genetic population. That is it, right. where you can release it, where it can you can release it on Irish on Irish pigs, and me and George could be next to each other, and we both take in the 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 sea spray, and I drop dead in an hour, and you're fine. It seems like that's kind of what that's this is bond. that's the latest bond movie that's the latest bond movie or if you were in a crowd in in let's say hong kong protesting against the chinese uh -huh. and you got sprayed and a little bit of those plasmons accumulated in your lungs and then you went to another thing you got sprayed again and you went to another thing and gradually you accumulate these things that absorb energy right and then we can get you into certain bottleneck areas where we hit you with a lot of energy to try to identify the terrorist in our minds, this is the Michael Chertoff world. This is why 
well, I won't go into it. Yeah, I, I, I think this is the, the plan here, the biosurveillance plan. I think you're kind of on to something though, right? It's all, it's almost like a, it's almost like a totalitarian dystopia version of like a coffee card where, you know, you punch out the card 10 times and then you get a free cup. It would be like, you're getting a little bit of this attenuated virus every time you go to something that the government doesn't like, like a protest. And like, you can go to like one or two protests, but if you're at every single protest, if you're, you know, some, so, you know, if you're some modern day MLK or whatever, you're a, a Snowden or a Greenwald or a, a whatever, a Whitney Webb, and you're kind of questioning a George Webb, if you're questioning these things and you end up at more and more of these uh, dissident things that the government doesn't like, you're kind of like punching out your coffee card where just by default, if you go to like 10 of these things, you start to reach like a lethal level. Yeah. And, and that actually, if you look at the Guardian uh, uh, anti-crowd uh, control device that these uh, that uh, Raytheon makes, it, it they talk about that oh, when they yeah. say you can single out the leaders. Oh, sure. You know? And that way the regular population only feels a warming and they leave, but the leader has a heart attack, mm -hmm. you know, has myocarditis, uh, carditis. carditis immediately develops into a anemia, you know, and, and or excuse me, in a kind of a, a, a fusion. So I, I think there is something to this. I, I, I really think that there, the coronavirus is for the, the biosurveillance, I think. Okay. But but then there's, as long as we have this beautiful cover of every, every, this thing can kill, now we have Q fever on the shelf in Ukraine. We've got Congo Crimea hemorrhagic fever, uh, fever, an attenuated version on the shelf in Ukraine. We have Ebola. We have Zika. We have Lassa fever. We have Nipah. We got a whole shelf full of spices here. Let's get spicy. Let's use some spices. And now we can start shaping the world politically how we want to. Uh, again, every time we cause a revolution, Soros is there for the little currency manipulation. Hey, that was fun. We made a couple hundred million this weekend. Uh, so they, they've kind of got this down to a cookie cutter. This is kind of a McDonald's now. For Instead of flipping burgers, you're flipping countries. Yeah. And, and it's very profitable. And that's why I think this biowarfare is... Uh, decimate the economy, buy every all the assets up for ten cents on the dollar. Move everybody now through a war gets everybody to leave. Now I buy everything really cheap. Then I get a whole bunch of reconstruction money mm -hmm. from NATO, and and then I build high rises like Kolomoisky did in Cleveland. It's it seems like a virtuous cycle. I don't see any point along the way where Kolomoisky takes a hit in that. He's living in a villa during the, and you know, eating a uh, ham sandwich, or not a ham sandwich, probably a turkey sandwich, while he's watching, you know, the, the war in Tel Aviv or Geneva. And he's typing his computer and buying certain, you know, things as the war's going. And then he just comes in afterward, gets all the, he's already got the 13 billion. This is when I, I'm used to this on Capitol Hill. As soon as they get the check, the war goes away. But maybe they're going to keep going here for some reason uh, because they have some bigger design with NATO. I, I really think Na uh, Trump undermined or created a, a question in people's mind. Why do we still have NATO? Sure. You know, that, that ended 30 years ago. Why do we need it? And maybe this is the, hey, we need another war to keep NATO.
It, it, that might be it too. It might have been that Trump was getting involved because, right? It's not just the U.S. It's not just U.S. contracts, or it's not just the U.S. defense budget. It's also, I mean, if they're using our weapon systems, NATO is a huge market of people that you know. Um, uh, well, Will Arkin talks about it, and the generals have no clothes about how, like, we have sure we have our military. But all of our allies use the weapons we sell them, and they all link into our systems, our satellite systems, our communications systems, and in essence, they amplify our military. And if Trump's going in there and saying we don't need to do this, you know, if we're sending foreign aid to NATO and then NATO uses that to buy our weapons from us, yeah, if you're going in there and saying we don't need NATO anymore, well, yeah, now you're now you're messing with their nut, you're messing with their money. That might might be that it might be this is a rattle the cage. Hey, we need NATO. It might be that I don't know. It could very well be that. Well, I certainly think NATO sits around all day and and tries to come up with ways of justifying their existence, uh, and they have for thirty years. But this is the best one yet. Really, this is the first invasion that I remember. Um, you know, there was a like I'm trying to remember back where, you know, Georgia was a little tiny incursion. Yeah, that was 08, right? Yeah, 08. That was a little tiny incursion. There wasn't really any Russian tanks rolling anywhere other than that. This is the big one as far as, you know, since I've been out of college, you know, Mm -hmm. where NATO actually, even though they're not a NATO partner, where NATO was so involved in the news, you know, as far as, you know, whether they're going to go defend or not. Yeah. Um, Oh, what was I going to say? I had I had an idea. I don't remember what it was. Damn it, well, George! I, I had done I had done a lot of stories about how Kolomoisky also was in, uh, in charge of this thing called MABNI, which is military assets vitally needed in case of insurrection in the United States. And they've had these sort of staged or provoked insurrections with these guys out of Fort Belvoir, Fort Psychops. They brought over these Ukrainians, the same Nabu crime unit. Uh, from Kiev uh, to, you know, put put people into the Trump campaign. So uh, they were there on January 6th. So maybe they're trying to, you know, bolster up the Ukrainian armies for the occupation of the United States. I don't know. It just seems like there's some kind of uh, buildup here there's... Um, in money uh, for these NATO troops. And then now, now we're going to have Azov Brigade here in the United States. I mean, these are going to be your new policemen. That's not good. Uh, uh, you know, it, it does seem. I keep having the thought and slipping the thought again. This is your fault, George. I've got a two day hangover going on. Um, shit. Maybe it's maybe the idea is we're sort of imprinting into the into the mass mind uh, a, a reflexive reflexive invasion bad. So that, hey, there he is, George Webb, Steve Peters. Maybe we put in a reflexive imprint to the mind right now of the of the public, right? Just everyone change your profile picture to Ukraine. This is bad, invasion, bad, invasion, bad, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they're doing that to sort of, it's like uh, every once in a while you hear about like a comedian, like a real scumbag comedian will go open for somebody and uh, towards the end of their opening, they'll, they'll use some of the main acts uh, some of the main acts jokes and they'll steal their thunder. It's like a power. It's like a power move. It's it's like total scummy thing, but it's like a power move. 
maybe we're sort of priming the world for like, you're right. Everyone rises up. We will all sanction it in, in unified lockstep if anyone invades another country. And then maybe it's just kind of like, all right, China, your move. Like, can you touch Taiwan now? The entire world is primed for, you know, we have a bunch of liberals foaming at the mouth about how we need to send in, we have, how we need to establish a no-fly zone in Ukraine. <laughs> like, how else would you get, who knows? Maybe they we're just priming everybody for uh, global condemnation of anyone that invades anyone else's borders. Of course, not including the United States with Iraq, but. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, nuclear, because I, this is why I did the Cossack dance. Remember? We get all their bios from BioPrep Rat and Ken Ellebeck. You should ask Ken Ellebeck if he knows Christopher Steele. I, I know those guys that know each other. Uh, I, I sent him an email. I haven't I haven't heard from. Him. I had I had Ken on like every other week for like eight weeks. I haven't. He's just been busy for like the last seven months. I just I can't get in touch with him. Well, this this is a good question for him because the, the Cossack dance. Ask him about the Cossack dance at the 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 wedding there uh, in Kiev. You remember, Cole Moisky is so close to the current guy running the country, Zelensky. He paid for the, he has the, the car that Zelensky gets driven in. All the guys that are all their security guys that drive him around are Cole Moisky guys. Cole Moisky owns the television uh, stations that created Zelensky as a national figure. Um, you know, as far as all the, uh, the bank a private bank he can do whatever he wants with the money he gets from the united states no, no strings attached nobody looking over his shoulder no anti-corruption police they've got this nabu crime unit which is really just an extension of the old kgb that when Soviet union fell it became alpha group and then alpha group a lot of the soldiers or a lot of the intelligence officers ended up working in the crime unit just basically became a a shush doffel, you know, an SS for Peter Strzok. They use the SS symbol. As up Brigade just turns the SS symbol mm, yeah. outside the Schultzdoffen, right? So um, I think that's how we should see it. We should say it all started with a Cossack dance by by Christopher Steele. And the interesting about thing about his wife, and she died so young, um, but his, his wife, uh, Lauren... Her, her father was this guy named David Hunt. And David Hunt in England was sort of our, their um, Oppenheimer or their uh, Albert Einstein. Probably more their, I don't know, some other Enrico Fermi or somebody like that. Well, that's Italy's great atomic scientist. But somebody like that or really high profile, David Hunt. Like, go to Buckingham Palace as the top nuke scientists, okay? And they were going to profit, same thing, from her her dad's relationship because they were going to get all the nukes. They were going to get all this highly enriched uranium that took 50 years to make or 40 years to make, and they were going to be able to keep that. And instead of giving destroying that right away, be able to downblend it and use it for nuclear power to do nuclear exploration and even maybe test a bomb here and there for, well, they did eight or 900 uh, peaceful nuclear explosions for, for fighting oil and, and minerals. So, so she was in there for that, for her dad's connections. Uh, and a lot of the nuclear industry 
in was already in Ukraine, but then it moved there because of David Hunt. I think David Hunt was at David. If you're out there, I'd love to interview you. Or Tommy Kerrigan can interview you. He was he was at the wedding as well. He could tell us who was at the wedding. They I th I think the daughter died awfully fast. Uh, of you know she wasn't a, a big drinker. She, but anyway, this this is the uh, sidebar that I don't have proof of. But when she was in Moscow and Yeltsin was in power and, and uh, I can't remember who was in before Yeltsin, but she was sort of being treated like an English diplomat. And they, they had their apartment very close to, and he was never around and they had their apartment close to uh, Red Square. And so I'll have to ask Gary about this, but accepting a lot of gifts like really super expensive artwork and expensive, you know, rugs is a, like a collector and it ha having a lot of, I don't know, just seems like how many rugs can somebody collect? You know, can you really have 10,000 antique rugs? I don't know. It just seems like an excuse to have a, a, a very dashing KGB agent come over with a, yet another rug, you know, the rug salesman thing. It's like milk delivery. I don't know. She, she's, she had this ungodly number of rugs. <laughs> I just thought they're going to send somebody over there. If they know he's, a, if they know the husband is a head of the bioweapons program and her father has all the nuclear knowledge of where, how to profit from the new, this is both, the restructuring of an entire nuclear industry of a whole 50 years of nuclear centrifugation you know, to, to develop your, the uranium. There's a huge amount of money to be made on the nuke side and a huge amount of money to be made on the bio side. I don't know. She, she apparently did not find Christopher Steele that attractive. Um, and she took a lot of visitors that gave her rugs. I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm not saying the rug salesman was a young Vladimir Putin. But I've heard that the, the rug guy was a young Vladimir Putin, 1990. Vladimir Putin was selling rugs? Taking rugs, very expensive ornamental rugs. No, gifts. Gifts. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, apparently... Um, it helped engineer his group to over, not overthrow Yeltsin, but to engineer a sort of a mini coup with Chris Steele and Vladimir, like they were together at one point. You know, the rug was a cover or something. I don't know. Or worse yet, there was a relationship between his wife and Vladimir Putin. And, and the rug was a cover for that. But in either case, in only one Hop. I love these stories where you're only one hop away from the story, the people that are involved. I'm standing there with Michael Iskoff and McDuff in, in the trial, and, and here's the guy who was at the wedding. I don't know. If, I didn't get a chance to ask him if he was at the first wedding, you know, the, the Cossack dance wedding. But, man, wouldn't that have been great wedding footage to see? If Vladimir Putin was there, you remember the table where the, Vladimir Putin was sitting with Mike uh, Flynn? And then Jill Stein. I'm sorry, I'm on a bender here. No, were, keep no. I'm no. I'm no. I'm. I'm just listening. Keep going. 
Jill Stein of the Green Party mm-hmm. was sitting at the same table, and then there was a, a a German guy from minister from Germany, and then there was Peskov, who was one of the press agents for Putin, and then the other guy who was always running around with Putin. And it almost is a recreation. That photo is almost a recreation, supposedly, of how close, like it was, it was Putin at this wedding, Christopher Steele and the girl. That's how they sat at, at their wedding table. Putin was at the, the, the wedding table. And, the, and the story I heard, this is wacky conspiracy theory, but the story I heard was that they shot that picture as sort of the Mike Flynn, Russia, 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 hand in the cookie jar that will make you know, Trump Russia believable because he's sitting there with Putin. They, used, they based it off the photograph of Christopher Steele and the girl, the rug girl. She collected something else. Oh, and here's the other weird thing, Tommy. They stole her shoes. The KGB stole her shoes. And I, uh, her, her favorite pair of shoes. She also liked shoes, not like Imelda Marcos like shoes, but she likes shoes. And they stole her shoes. And I say they got the DNA from like the sweat and so forth in the, in the, in the bottom of the shoe. And they targeted her with some kind of fast something. I don't know if it was the Russians and, and Putin or if or or if it was Kolomoisky and she was getting she was talking about how they were getting the bioweapons or talking about how they were getting the nukes. But I did a lot of research on the guy who this guy named Rodney Fist, that's why I put it in the Kolomoisky video, where he actually negotiated the agreement for the twenty thousand warheads to come to the United States to be used for peaceful use it was called megatons to megawatts and he's just like a totally fictitious south african guy you know like it's mark rich with any other name right anybody who would have talked about that mega transfer of wealth trillion transfer of wealth to israel and south africa um would just be masodded they just get hogging out (laughs) hogging dead Hagen dead. I'm sorry, Tommy. I shouldn't have told you that. It was it was told to me by somebody who. I don't care. Yeah. Why, why would I care? Well, he Christopher Steele. I, I went to this uh, Magnolia Hotel, and he met with. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is because I know it's a crazy story. Nobody will believe, but Nellie Orr will believe it. Bruce Orr will believe it, and Peter Strzok will know, will believe it, and they'll know I was talking to a good source because they'll know that they were there at the Magnolia Hotel with Christopher Steele for this meeting where they were talking Trump-Russia. And the person claimed to have known and seen them having this meal at the Magnolia Hotel. I think what I'm trying to say is Strzok knows there are witnesses all over the place for what really happened with the biolabs in Ukraine. And we're not going to get by much longer with just saying they don't exist because there's just evidence every other day the Russians are coming out with. So at some point, they're going to have to switch gears and, and either release a bioweapon and then blame it on the Russians, something to change the narrative. Because right now what's happening is just kind of this watching Hercule Poirot 
kind of just slowly solve a crime and you're sitting there in the train car and there's nowhere for you to go. And you're just watching Akio Perot just kind of, or, you know, Sherlock Holmes figure the crime out. He, he, that's why I think he lashed out at me is because he kind of says, hey, this isn't going the way I wanted it to. This was all supposed to be secret. Yeah, we were We were supposed to get trains out of this. This isn't going good. I think it's a very small group of people. Yeah, could you maybe go in and just explain real quick? I got about 20 minutes left before I got a bounce. Could you go in and kind of give me, or well, actually, I'm going to use the restroom first, but I kind of want you to give me like a rundown and exactly like who Kolomoisky is, okay. just so I get a good image of him. George, monologue. Tell everybody where they can find you. Hey, everybody. Sorry I went into that monologue before this. Um, it's just some Christopher Steele folklore. And I, I've been fascinated by this ever since Gary Winkleman uh, called me before I ever went on the road. I was in Portland in 2016 and was describing this scene. And uh, he's in running this inner tourist uh, hotel, which was all KGB. They now have uh, tours at these inner tourist hotels. And in the hotel were all these just russian generals coming in all the time uh telling western businessmen where stuff was weapons bullets gas masks all the stuff of war john travolta did a, a movie about it but in addition to that there was a high probability that they were negotiating and selling off all the nuclear and biological and the guy that the west chose i'm not sure if uh, it was i think it was because christopher Steele spoke such good Russian, um, uh, you know, Cambridge and all that. Uh, and he, plus he had been from, I guess, the same university as the Cambridge Five. So he was a good double agent, I guess. But he, um, he was the guy chosen to be the broker in Ukraine. And, and it's, it's kind of funny because even though the, the steel dossier came from Ukraine, uh, you know, from the Nabu crime unit in Kiev. And even though the Black Ledger came from Kiev, and even though all the compromise operations in Cyprus with the Russians and all that was all a, a Ukraine operation, somehow everybody associates the Trump dossier with England. You know, we, we, we published one photograph of, of uh, Richard Steele in Kensington, you know, in front of, you know, uh, a brownstone. And all of a sudden, that's the only place we can envision Christopher Steele. I'm not saying Michael Isikoff said this. No, not Michael Isikoff did not tell me this. Although Michael Isikoff probably was at the first wedding. But it is somebody in the um, press. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't want to get in any trouble. Um, Are you getting me in trouble? No, no, no. I'm not getting you in trouble. What did I do to you? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying that uh, the abuse it, it, seems, it seems the best way to do research in journalism, right, is ra rather than, like, look at the, tr the tree and go, oh, oh, I just, saw a, uh, I just saw a leaf fall off and then chase it as the 50-mile-an-hour wind takes it down the street and then come back a year later and go, this is the leaf. 
it, it seems like a better thing to do is, hey, wait a minute, I can see they're all coming from this root, this branch structure, and they're coming down this trunk. Yeah. And I'll bet anything that it starts in the ground. I bet anything there's a, a beginning to all this. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm looking at what's falling, and it seems like these acorns somehow are involved in this cycle. So then you Google acorn. Yeah. And you go, hey, they actually, the great oak grows from the acorn, right? And that's why I love these stories about bioweapons in Ukraine. Why don't you just go to the Cossack dance where the whole thing happened? Why do you go through all these things where we have to produce, you know, I have to make all these videos about UPA and UP. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't track down all the periphery. You go to the, you go back down to the center. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to do a video where Homer Simpson's doing the Cossack dance saying, Hey, I'm one of you. (laughs) Hey, I'll kick one leg off for bioweather, kick the other leg off for a nuke. You know, I just think there's Matt Groening. If you're out there, I think there's a, a Simpsons episode here of how the, the Ukrainian bioweapons really happened. Uh, so, Tommy, uh, tell us, uh, you wanted to break down a Kolomoisky. I wanted you to give me a, a Kolomoisky breakdown. Yeah. Well, I'll just say this. Uh, if you follow him, oh, I don't know if I want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Kolomoisky is a very big supporter of Israel, okay, and so is Avi Braverman, and so are a lot of the other people we've been talking about with these bioweapons, and they they were looking for this genetic thing that would that could potentially uh, target uh, Palestinians. Avi Braverman was the uh, we've been talking about him for six years was the guy overseeing Palestine uh, several times. He's changed party; doesn't matter. He's in the Dark Mossad, not bad Mossad, but dark, dark weapons. Okay. Kolomoisky is his buddy. Kolomoisky is the guy who makes the money on the other side of the dark weapons. The military technology moves out commercially to attenuated viruses, and then you make money with the vaccines. You make so much money that you have to buy half of Cleveland in real estate or half of 20 different cities. So that's where it comes from, is this desire for it. For Israel, and again, strong supporter, wanted my kids to serve in the IDF. Um, so I'm not, this is not Israel bashing. Um, but but what I am saying is there was this plan to say, hey, wait a minute. Why Mark Rich was the head guy. Why don't we take these scientists out of BioPreparat and have a lab there where they all can have villas on the Black Sea, get they get down to Sochi once a year for skiing. And then have them do pilgrimages to Israel, develop these weapons. And that way, Israel could self-finance this thing for other people that are interested in the same kind of genetic targeting. And the big program Mark Rich worked on was South Africa. And that was a black bomb. Wouter Basson was the guy uh, running that for the defense forces of South Africa. And they also had a program in Zimbabwe, right? So this thread here is of genetic targeting and I, and I really do believe they blew up with Tay-Sachs because it was kind of a Guillaume Barre uh, trying to target it at a, you know, uh, the Palestinian. And, it, and they found out that the Palestinian and Jew, Jewish people are so closely intertwined that it ended up becoming a Jewish uh, scourge as well as a Palestinian scourge. But I don't want to get off the track on Tay-Sachs, but I'll just, I'll just say that this whole thing 
was ethnic cleansing from day one. That the Mark Rich, way before the Cossack dance, way, way before Rich uh, uh, Steele uh, is doing the Cossack dance, they saw it as, hey, this could be ethnic cleansing here. We can bring these scientists in and we got it. And any country that wants to do ethnic cleansing and ethnic targeting could be our client here. This is dark Mossad, bad Mossad. I think there's a good Mossad, Jared, uh, and, and company, BB, et cetera. But that's what I'm talking about here is why not just go right to the acorn and say, acorns make trees. I've studied this. It's the science of this. And this is the acorn that started this all. It was Christopher Steele was the celebration both for the nukes and the bios. It was in Kiev. It was at this wedding. Here's the wedding photos. Here's Christopher Steele and his wife sitting next to Putin. This is where it all happened. And I think what happened at that table, um, and I'm not saying Kolomoisky was a waiter at the wedding. I think Kolomoisky was actually at the wedding as, as an up-and-coming industrialist for, for various firms, international firms, mining and oil, but we'll have people do the research but but you get the idea here is this movement called habad in in ukraine needed cash you need an army you need money you need some real estate you need some place to put all this stuff and if you go back to the history of the pale settlement uh in the history of the jews uh, Catherine the Great. I hate to bring up Catherine the Great because everybody always thinks of the horse. But the other thing that she did other than the horse, the horse says, uh, was she gave the Jews the Pale Settlement. And that was a strip of land going from the, I think, you know, at one time, the Pale changed in size, but it went from the Baltic all the way to, to the, the Black Sea. It was a connecting place where Jews could conduct business. And why did why did Catherine the Great want them? John O'Loughlin covered this beautifully in, in several books. But why did they want that? They wanted the mercantile skills of the Jews to raise the peasants up because they had no idea of mer uh, how to, you know, bank and lending, commerce, you know, they just didn't have those skills. And the problem came after Catherine the Great when the Jews went into Moscow and kind of created a, you know, started competing with the competing interests. But what I'm saying is this Chabad movement, this land movement of the pale was created then, um, right around 1800 something. And the mindset that the Chabad movement, that we get land, we were promised this. This is our birthright here. We, we fought and died for this thing, right? Even though this pale went away, I think in, uh, in, 1917, I think, and then they, the Balfour Agreement set aside for Israel as sort of a compensatory thing. There were a lot of Chabad people that said, no, Israel ain't no compensation for the pale. There ain't no oil. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of things. Good, good in the summer. Go to Tel Aviv in the summer, Tommy. See a lot of girls there in bikinis. I'm telling you, it'll be fun for you. But I'm just saying the pale is where all the juice is. That's where all the uh, minerals, oil pipelines, everything, the strategic stuff is. And there was a group, you know, 
my co-founder, the founder of Neighborhood News, says it was the Jewish company and Rabbi Schneerson and 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 then Chabad became Chabad Lubavitch as they added another na leader named Lubavitch. But but if you look at all the people that are involved in this dark Mossad, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of Chabad and there's a lot of Lubavitch. I'm not sure which is more. Some some days I th I think it's more Lubavitch. Some days I think it's more Chabad. But there, you know, Kolomoisky is the number one man for Chabad Lubavitch. And that means taking stuff by whatever means possible, getting all the cash, and then putting it back into programs to get more stuff and get more cash. Because we don't own everything yet. It is a very Israel without borders kind of, it's not even Israel, it's the Chabad movement. First, we get back what Catherine the Great promised us, and then we get everything else. So in the case of Ukraine, it's everything to the east of the Dnieper River, including Donbass and Lugansk. And you know what? Those dumb pig farmers that are in the way are going to be bioweapons tested. Here's your chance to either leave the country right now or be, be a pig and get tested on with the bioweapons. That's why I think we went from 11 biolabs to 30 biolabs. It's Kolomoisky all the way. I hate to say Zelensky's a pimple on Kolomoisky's ass, but, but, but Zelensky's a pimple on Kolomoisky's ass. And the whole world is making Zelensky out like he's the, he's the juice. He's not the juice. The juice is Kolomoisky. So um, anyway, that was, a, that was a long historical thing, but that's how they think. And if you don't get into the psychology of what the criminal mind thinks, you're never going to solve the crime. If Kolomoisky sat down right next to me and he just heard me say that, he goes, how did you know that? That would be his response. It wouldn't be, that's a bunch of bullshit. He'd go, how the hell, have you been talking to my wife? Did you talk to Eric Braverman? <laughs> Tommy, five years ago, we said Eric Braverman didn't like laundering the uh, bioweapons for the Clinton Foundation. We said he was going to go to Israel because his life is in danger here in the United States. We said he's wherever he's going with, there are going to be the military interests in Israel that are going to be protecting him. And guess who we was meeting with? We started the series six years ago. Eric Raven. Where's Eric Raven? He was meeting with Kolomoisky. That's all you need to know. He is the back channel to the Congress. He is the back channel to all the money that's coming out of the Congress, all the USAID that's coming out of the U.S. Congress, USAID. If he's getting all the money from USAID, $6 billion at a time, he's getting all the money from IMF, $15 billion at a time, what makes you think he wouldn't get the USAID predict money for the, for the, for the vaccines? It doesn't make any sense. He's getting all the money. A little tiny bit's trickling down to the vaccines. So anyway, that's a long description of Kolomoisky, but... That's why I was following Kolomoisky in 2018. So if Kolomoisky is a, a big supporter of Israel, would that mean that Mossad would be have a vested interest in protecting Kolomoisky? I think there's a split in Mossad. Um, I think there's people who say our borders are tough enough to protect Let's not go bite off a bigger, you know, once we decide to land the aircraft carrier, I mean, Israel's a small country about the size of New Jersey, right? 
we got seven Arab nations that seem to all want to attack us every once in a while. I got enough to worry about on my frontiers here. Let's sure. take some buffer land, you know, leave it, leave us rum. Let's do the Hitler leave us rum for a while. But you want to go, Kolomoisky, you guys want to go, this is BB talking. You guys want to go and start chomping into, into Ukraine. Do you know how many millions of people the Russians lost, you know, for, a, for an inch of, of uh, Odessa soil? They're going to fight tooth and nail. You know, you go in with the bioweapons, you think that's a force multiplier. They're going to just come get your biolab. And they did. That's what this thing is all about, right? It's Kolomoisky constantly poking the bear in the, in the Putin bear in the eye. They're both at the same wedding, for crying out loud. I'm not saying that the Kolomoisky was the, the waiter, the table server. But you wouldn't believe how many of the people involved in the bioweapons game today were at that wedding. Right. Um, so, but you keep poking the bear with these, with all these breakouts that, it, that supposedly happened by accident over and over a hundred times the normal frequency. And then pretty soon the guy is going to say, I know the game. I know the game. I think Christopher still still mad about the relationship between Putin and his wife, but that's a personal thing. That's just a, 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 a speculation, but they're there at the same table. My sources are correct on this. And again, I'm not trying to say this is a big story. I'm saying this is total rank speculation. I never saw the picture. But supposedly there's a picture just like the Mike Flynn picture with Christopher Steele and his wife next to Putin at their wedding. Take it for what it's worth. I think they may even have met there. Jesus. Re remember what happens. Remember what happens to Yeltsin after the wedding, after the Cossack dance. I had heard that he actually had dance on a table with a Cossack dance. You know how hard that is when you get off center? You got to be on center. You know, those wedding type round tables, right? You got to kind of be kicking. I don't know. I'm just saying these guy was probably pretty athletic. Who knows what Putin and his wife were doing. But then Yeltsin gets thrown out. They bring Yeltsin over here to sign all the paperwork to sign off all the major Russian corporations. Ali Stranahan covers this brilliantly with Kordakovsky uh, and Bill Browder, you know, selling Russia by the pound. But but the they had a restriction back then where the Russian had to own 51% of the corporation. So like Yukos Oil and all these things that they were selling off, red, right, left, right, and center, the money plane is a big article. You needed to have 50% Russian. Christopher Steele, and Chris, you know this is the truth, you were in charge of the poisoning program of the Russians that got the 51%. They killed a lot and poisoned a lot of Russian oligarchs that were on the other side of these business deals, of these joint ventures from the fall of the Soviet Union. Chris, you know I'm telling the truth. You know I'm telling the truth. And the program, the assassination program, was based in Ukraine. And Chris, you know I'm telling the truth. Right. So, so you get the feeling here is, wait, what do they do with the holdouts who they didn't get to and didn't poison? I remember after the 2016 election, there was like eight guys that died, eight Russian oligarchs that died. Three of them were in the Trump Hotel Jesus. in, in Hollywood Beach. One guy was swimming uh, in a pool in Egypt. They all were dying all over the place. One guy was at an art museum, got shot in the back. So Oleg Deripaska, the other guy with a mansion right next to Zelensky's, 
in Italy on the Amalfi Coast. Forte de Marmi is the name of the, 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 the town. He had the job of going around. Magnitsky was the treasurer. And they would had all these tough guys, just like Kolomoisky, with baseball bats and machine guns. They would go in, they would beat the snot out of the people in these corporations who hadn't given up their other 50% to Chris Steele's business partners, right? They would steal the corporate seal. They would steal all the books, right? And they would leave. And Oleg Deripaska would kill you if you talked about it after that. Magnitsky was the treasurer for all this, of all these ill-gotten. When everyone done poisoning and all the intimidation wouldn't work, and Deripaska was the assassin in charge of taking the corporate books and taking the corporate seal. It's, so all these people that you think of as different, like, oh, we're going to go get Deripaska's Queen K yacht. I'm like... He's in on it. They're all in on it. They're all at the wedding, right? It's the Cossack dance wedding, right? So, so they were all into this. Uh, every now, and he's closely associated with Rothschild. I, I don't want to make this a Rothschild thing, but he is closely associated with Rothschild, uh, Deripaska. He's very close friends with uh, Nate Rothschild. So you just wonder. It's like, at what point do you go? You know what? I think I'm going to just tell the whole world what this really is. It's really the Cossack wedding dance that explains all of this. Um, but I've hesitated because, you know, it's it's rumor and, and whatnot. But I, if you were out there, I was only one country away. If you were out there at the wedding, please contact me and send me your wedding photos. <laughs> How could you miss Christopher Steele Cossack dancing on your table? You probably had your wine spilled. But Tommy, you see how, you see what you did? You made me carry the show because you're hungover, and now you got this me to spill out. This is your fault that I'm hungover. You got <laughs> Peter Strzok to respond to us. <laughs> That's true. You probably thinking up, now I better do a will. No, it's fine. I've already, accept, I've already accepted I'm going to be killed for one of my 700 other guests. Okay. All right. Well, Ken Alabeck would be the one. <laughs> Ken Alabeck will get me. Malone will get me. CIA ground branch guys. Somebody's getting me. Don't worry about it. You're muted. Sorry. I spit the story out in a, in a, in a, in a, in a not a good way. And I'll probably edit this and, and destroy this tape uh, so that, that this can't get out. Cause I did, I don't want, I didn't want to ever tell that story. No, but, I don't think there's but she, wrong with it. but she look into her. Tommy. And she had a little time over this week, look into her and what she was doing with these rugs. And she, there was something else she collected. But who, who, I mean, how many rugs can you have? And she died at 43. You know, I mean, most people don't even get a house till they're 30. You know, maybe, I, 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 I don't know, 30, 35. I don't know. But she's got like an incredible collection of rugs. I think she did because um, the, the Cambridge Five, you got to go. We just have talk. We'll, we'll do the Cambridge Five and how all the half of the U.S. uranium was sent to Russia in the next show. All right. And the guys who brokered it were the David Hunts of the world, her father. I will make sure to not be hungover next time. I also wasn't banking on a two-day hangover. You must have. What did you have, Guinness or something? Or what? Did, what oh, did it was started at like a dinner, and we were just kind of hanging out. And next thing I know, it was like four in the morning. We were. We're debating whether or not to go shoot machine guns. 
<laughs> I'm not even kidding. We're absolutely shit faced. That's the last thing I remember is us deciding whether or not to go like start a fire and shoot it. I'm not even kidding. Like it was just, and I just woke up with like. Tommy, a, I will. I will tell you one thing right now. I went out on St. Patty's Day and I did get a beer, and I got a Guinness for you. I was thinking of Tommy Kerrigan, and I'll thank send you. you a picture. Thank you. I was. I genuinely wasn't even planning to drink that night. I went to a dinner and like halfway through, I was offered a beer and I like, didn't want to be rude. And it just, it started with a beer and it ended with. I'll feed you the ammo. You fire down range, and we'll declare war on this fire. Good lord! Okay. Well, well, <laughs> well, I had to uh, carry the uh, story here, but I had a story that I I I, I wanted to, uh, you know, I I really when I met Michael Esikoff, I, I with McDuff, I really wanted to ask him about the the second wedding because I thought, hey, second wedding. There's probably a few people that have known him for a long time and were at the first wedding. I don't know. There's probably a whole bunch of people who weren't. You know, the the brides people are all going to be different. Maybe there's only a couple. But but here's the one thing I did want to say is Strzok and McCabe used Peter, used uh, Christopher Steele to rinse every one of their cockamamie releases to the press. And rather than give stuff and bread come directly to the press, they also had Glenn Simpson to do that for their false narratives. They would just give it to Christopher Steele. That was their go-to guy, mm. right? The CIA guys would go, like uh, Clapper and those guys, Brennan, they would go through, uh, and Hillary Clinton especially, would go through Glenn Simpson. But their go-to guy, because they had worked this bioweapons thing together, Andy McCabe lived in Paris uh, for a long time, and Strzok was uh, Kosovo right in there, Eastern Europe, as since they were counterintelligence, that is where they went. Their go-to guy in the, in the UK was Christopher Steele for dropping fake narratives. And then he would come, fly over. They would go to this um, Tabard Inn near George Washington University, and they'd sit there and have a couple of beers or coffee, I can't remember. I asked the guy, I, we stayed in his, the bridal suite. They're mostly small rooms, but we stayed in the bridal suite so he could be in the same room that Christopher Steele was in. We thought maybe he left a couple of miles around here. We could, you know, have it you know, bio-separated. I mean, you would, just if we had one anthrax vial with some bentonite, you know, that Ken Alabek spun up for, for Saddam Hussein for starting, you know, one of the wars. We just kind of were looking under, near the fireplace and stuff. We didn't find it. But that's how they did the false narratives. Struck knows I know, right? I think there's like 50 other people who are actually in Washington that know a lot more than I do. So if you're at the wedding, either one, come forward. And with that, Tommy, I think we should wrap it up. I think you're going to get me killed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. The podcast will go down in glory. Um, yeah, we will resume next weekend. And um, yeah, I'll make sure not to be half dead. And uh, George, you get a pass. You get a pass this week, Tommy, because uh, I had to spit that out. We'll be able to do it quicker next time. Uh, but um, yeah, there you go. No, nothing to do with time. I'm just, I'm just going on like hour forty of a hangover right now that should have <laughs> I finished yesterday. But it is what it is. George, I'll send you this episode when it's uploaded. What were you gonna say? What do you do for uh, hangover cure? Do you do tomato juice or what do you do? 
ton of Pedialyte, um, uh, GABA, G-A-B-A, gamma amino, gamma amino butyric acid. It's one of the things that gets depleted when you drink. It can cause kind of like anxiety and shaking. You can get it at Walmart. Um, sometimes magnesium. But real, I mean, honestly, 99% of it is you just, you just got to white knuckle it. That's why... Yeah. So I don't. Oh, here you are. Tell us this gal again. Uh, this uh, Dr. Oddity Bargava. She's the head of mRNA research at uh, UCSF University of California, San Francisco. Um, she worked on the Biden campaign, and uh, after seeing Biden come out and say it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, she kind of has just gone in the opposite direction now, and is really just doing everything she can to inform people about just how dangerous the vaccines are. Um, okay. She's a wonderfully brilliant soul. I love her. Yeah. Um, but well, very, very cool. Uh, Tommy, uh, let's play it out here. And uh, t- thanks to Tommy Kerrigan uh, and I'm George Webb and we'll see you all next week. Do you think Saturday is still a good time? Or sure. You- Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Tommy Moisky, Tommy or Putin, Wuhan web is okay. We'll eventually be killed. Don't worry about it. George, thank you so much. I won't be hang- hungover next time, I promise. And okay, uh, and uh, shout out Peter Strzok, I guess, for, I don't know. I don't know. For recognizing your podcast. You know, yeah. No, you know what? No, screw you, Peter Strzok. You're not allowed to watch my podcast. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my last one. All right, George. Take care, man. Right. Bye-bye. Peace. Thanks, everybody else.